The number one song in 2014 was Happy by Pharrell Williams, which is fitting because 2014 was overall pretty damn fantastic in my memory. The photography business was rocking and rolling. I was traveling all over the country for photo jobs. We've got three awesome kids. Life is full. Church is awesome. Money is really tight, but things are looking good. Stick around and I'll tell you all about it. I'm Jacob Slayton, and this is my entire life. So like I said, 2014 was awesome, and it was filled with travel. Like when I look back on this year, traveling a lot is kind of the main thing that sticks out of my head. There was some other stuff too, and I'll tell you about that. But the traveling sort of just fills my memory with um, just the, the bulk of the stories come from traveling. And so to start that off, I got to tell you about this job that I shot in Las Vegas um, for this uh, this big event that I shoot uh, every year. I still shoot it. And back in 2014, I think it was the second or third year I had shot for this company. And uh, so in, this year it was in Vegas. It was in April. And... The big thing about this event was that Peyton Manning was going to be there. He was doing the keynote speech um, for the event. And as part of his contract for speaking at the event, they had also booked him to do a VIP meet and greet with some of the uh, like executives and sort of top-level people at this company and stuff. So I was going to shoot his speech, and I was also going to shoot his meet and greet thing. And as I always do, anytime I'm hired to shoot like a famous person or a notable person or something, what I really want the most out of that is uh, a chance to get a portrait of that person. Because there's, you know, them shaking hands with some president of some company in front of a branded backdrop is not really a cool photo, you know. And them speaking into a microphone in front of a crowded room is also not really a cool photo. Like if you search any anyone any notable person online you're going to see a lot of photos like that but the ones that I care about the most is the portrait so I asked my client at the um my contact at the company and said hey um can I any chance I can get Peyton for just a portrait for just a you know a quick portrait maybe like before or after the VIP meet and greet thing you know would that be possible and they said you know I don't know but let's let me ask and find out okay and long story short they come back to me and they say, hey, it's uh, you're going to get like two minutes um, before the VIP meet and greet. So after he speaks and comes into the room where we're doing the meet and greet, um, you're going to get like two minutes with him. In that room, you can't do it anywhere else, you know. So whatever you can figure out in that room, you know, that'll, that'll be that. And so I'm like, sweet, you know, I get a chance to shoot this um, super, super famous guy, you know, um, so I was super excited about it. And so when it happened was, well, basically before his speech, I had a little bit of time to kill. And so I found the room that we were going to shoot the meet and greet in. And with my assistant, Andy, my sidekick, uh, my, my event photo companion, um, we went in the that room and we were kind of trying to figure out what we were going to do for this portrait. And so Andy like stood in for me and basically I decided like, let's make this as simple as possible and you know, we're going to just shoot him against this gray wall. There was just kind of a, a simple gray wall. And I was like, that's perfect. Cause the, what I want is a, the, the, the highlight of the image to be on Peyton himself. And so, 
we had this neutral background that was going to be fine. And, and I had Andy just hand hold a uh, speed light, like a, like an on camera flash, but it was, it was being held off camera and I had this little bitty soft box on it. And, um, it was going to be wirelessly, you know, fired from my camera. And I said, look, Andy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand right here and stand in for me. And I also want you to hold this light onto yourself. And so it was going to be a real tight shot. And so Andy's standing there and he's holding the flash with one hand pointed at himself. Uh, cause I really just wanted to get a light test and see what the light was going to look like on him so that I could, you know, do the same thing with Peyton. And so I shot a few photos with Andy and I had it looking pretty cool. It was kind of this sort of dramatic lighting. And I thought like, this will be great. It'll be fast and easy. And then we'll be able to move right into the, um, the, the meet and greet photos. And I know that Peyton is busy and he's done this a million times and he, he probably doesn't want to do it. And so we're going to have to do it quick. So this is the plan, right? And so what happened was when Peyton came in the room, um, right after his speech, I, right after he finished speaking, I ran over to the room where he, where we were going to do the, the portrait and the meet and greet. And about, you know, I got ready for that and everything. And then about five minutes later, Peyton walked in with, he had like two or three people with him. And, um, his, one of his assistants came up to me and she introduced herself and she said, are you doing the photos? And I said, yes. And she said, okay, great. This is Peyton Manning. She introduced me and, um, she said, you know, do your thing. And then she kind of walked off. So now it's just me, me and Peyton Manning standing there talking and Andy. And I said, Hey, uh, you know, nice to meet you. Um, so, you know, we're going to do the portrait real quick and then we're going to go do the meet and greet thing. And it'll, we'll, we'll try to knock this out super fast for you. And it was like immediately clear to me that no one had told Peyton about the portrait. No one had told him about the portrait at all. And maybe there was a miscommunication somewhere along the line, but it was clear that the the message never got to him. And um, so I was like, so yeah, we're going to do the portrait. And he was kind of like, uh, what? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's just going to be real quick. I kind of just didn't want to give him the opportunity to say no, because I was pretty excited about getting it. And so it was so funny, like, I said, yeah, let me just get you standing right over here. And, you know, he's in a suit and he, he looks sharp and everything, which is which is great. And uh, I had him standing there and I had Andy holding the light. And I said, um, I said, all right, yeah, just just kind of look right here at the camera. And um, I snapped four pictures of him in 27 seconds because um, I it was really uncomfortable. It was one of the most uncomfortable experiences I've ever had, like as a photographer shooting a, a celebrity. Um, because he's just like staring at the camera and he, it was clear that he was not going to give me much, um, personality <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I wanted a smile and he was just kind of gave me the dead, like game face, you know, which is fine. He, you know, people recognize him by that anyway, but I shot like two photos and I said, all right, give me a, give me a big happy smile real quick. And his face didn't budge at all. It was just deadpan. And I was like, all right, great. <laughs> and I shot a couple more photos and I was like, perfect. Thanks a lot, man. Like that, that's good. Now let's go do this thing. And I looked at my camera and I scrolled through the four shots, literally pushed the button four times. And only three out of four of those times did the light actually flash. So one shot is just black. There's, there's nothing in it. And three shots, the light actually flashed. And so I, anyway, I got this portrait of Peyton Manning and it was, it was totally, it's cool. I really like it. Um, but it was like, it's a classic example of like a photographer just, just trying to get what they can get with somebody and the chance that they can get it. And, 
you know, then sort of passing it off as if I had some kind of like full photo shoot with him, um, which, you know, I never said that I did or anything, but, you know, you assume that. And uh, so I've got that photo on my website still. And people say like, oh, my gosh, you meet, you met Peyton Manning. And, uh, you know, I ended up uh, I ended up shooting another famous athlete later in this year, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But but to this day, those are the two photos I get asked about the most. What was it like shooting Peyton Manning? And what was it like shooting this other guy, which I'll tell you about in a little bit. And, and so it was just so cool to be able to get that. And it, even though it felt like awkward and uncomfortable to me at the time, because it was clear that he wasn't into it, like it was one of those things where like you just have to, uh, you take what you can get and you you work through the the, the the awkwardness and, you know, hopefully you get something good out of it later. And then we ended up going on to shoot the uh, meet and greet photos and it was really cool because, you know, a guy like him, he does that kind of thing all the time. And it's probably something that he doesn't love to do. And so I could kind of sense that. And uh, so I, I made it go really fast. And I actually got through all the meet and greet photos before we were even scheduled to begin with them. Um, I mean, we just cranked him out really fast. And it was really cool. At the end, he was kind of like, we were kind of looking around and he's like, is that it? And I said, yeah, I think that's it, man. Thanks a lot. And uh, he goes, all right, thanks a lot, man. He shook my hand again, and he, he looked me in the eye, and he goes, hey, good job, man. And I was like, oh, yes, Peyton Manning approves of my uh, my work and my effort. And uh, so that was just, uh, I mean, that's pretty freaking cool. Like, quarterback uh, said good job to me, like the biggest and best of all time. <laughs> um, it's pretty awesome. So that was the uh, that was the shoot in Vegas with Peyton Manning. Another travel uh, trip that I did that year, there was like, several like there was three well there was Vegas and then after that there was three back to back to back trips uh that started with a shoot in Toronto it was my first out of the country um you know job like photo job to do so i was super super psyched about that it was for this event um that i was shooting but i flew up to Toronto and it was just so cool to like use my passport to get into a country to do my job you know um just just to be like literally like an international um traveling photographer like uh, even though it's just uh just a little hop and a skip above the border there to the north you know it's just still cool it just felt like gosh I'm doing it like it's working you know and it was so fun to shoot the event and then just like wander around Toronto I was there by myself um but it was just so much fun to just walk around and and just experience not only just another new city, but like a little bit of another country. It was my first time to go to Canada. And uh, for, for any Canadians that might be listening, it was, I love Canada. Freaking beautiful, wonderful, nicest people on earth, especially coming from the South. You know, people say Canada, you know, has the nicest people in the world. And like, so far in my travels, that's true. And, uh, and it's, they have the same kind of Southern hospitality, but it's funny because they're, you know, much farther north um but they're just they're just good people man i think they're probably good because they're just happy to live in a good country where um they have uh you know universal health care and all that but that's another story <laughs> so anyway from toronto i shot that thing and then right after toronto the same day i left there i flew to philadelphia to shoot um another gig um another event gig with uh, with andy andy joined me for that one as well and in philadelphia you know, the only real thing that I remember about that, I don't remember doing any of the, the actual job itself. I don't, I don't actually remember any of the work. I just remember that we were just like 
cutting up and just being such idiots the whole time, which is like, for some reason, I don't know why, but like, that is the most fun thing to me in the whole world. Just like eschewing responsibility and being a total idiot uh, with another guy that is also a total idiot. Um, and we just had so much fun just like clowning around and, and, uh, like daring each other to do dumb stuff and like just being obnoxious. Like it was terrible. Like it's not the right, um, you know, (laughs) it's definitely not a good like business philosophy, but like for some reason it works. And what we learned was that like the people that we were working with kind of loved to see me and Andy having a good time. I think that we like probably brought a lot of energy you know, to the to the room and the staff meeting, or not staff meetings, but like the staff office where we were working out of, because we're always laughing and just being idiots and like staying out late and just kind of drinking all night, not all night, but you know, long into the night. And one of the fun things that I remember about that trip to Philadelphia, besides just clowning around with Andy, like during our shoots and, and saying dumb stuff in the hallways um, of, of this convention center was just like wandering around Philadelphia at nighttime and, uh, you know, looking at some of the monuments and the historical landmarks and stuff. And I remember every night of that trip, we like on the first night of the trip, this is kind of me and Andy style. Like when we travel somewhere the first night, whatever we decide to do the first night, we do the exact same thing every single night, the rest of the time that we're there. Like whether it's a five day trip or six day trip, like we just keep doing the same thing. So that night we found this uh, burger place called Burger Fi. And, uh, I, since then I've seen several like around the country. Um, and anytime you have a chance to go to a burger fi, oh my gosh, it was so good. Um, but we went to burger fi five nights in a row. And after that we would go and like get some beer and like some, some roll up some hand rolled cigs and wander around Philadelphia and just act like idiots and push each other into bushes. And gosh, it was so good. I think there's something about like growing up and, just reminding yourself that you can like just still be just a a 12 year old sometimes, you know, like who says you're supposed to lose that, you know, cause that, that, that middle school mind that everybody still has, like keep that going. Like it's fun and great and silly. Like what's the point of growing up? What is so great about growing up? You know, I mean, there's a lot of good things about it, but man, there's a lot of fun things about just kind of still being an idiot sometimes. And obviously you can't do that all the time, but it's good to tap back into that. And and for me, having a friend like Andy to do that dumb shit with, um, it's just like every time I go and travel with him, I come home and I tell Micaiah, it's just so great to have a buddy like Andy that just like, I can just totally be a, a full idiot with and like we just feed off of each other and we, we make each other um, better and dumber in so many ways <laughs> that makes us like it gets all of this angst and stupidity out of our system that we can go back to our real lives and kind of get back to, um, you know, being responsible for a little while again. And so so, yeah, that that job in Philadelphia was just so much fun. And uh, really, that's a that that is a tribute and a picture of uh, all the time that I get to shoot with Andy. And it's um, it's always, always, always a good time. And after the Philadelphia trip, I had another fun travel job. I think that I came home in between Philadelphia. So after Toronto, Philadelphia, and then I came home for just a few weeks and then I flew back to New York, not back to New York, but I flew to New York for the first time that year 
for two really awesome um, experiences. One of those was my brother Hunter's wedding to his wonderful, awesome, super freaking cool wife, Kim. And and the other thing was to shoot the TD5 Borough bike tour uh, for New York City, which I'll tell you about in a second. But first, Hunter's wedding. And the main thing that I remember about Hunter's wedding was, well, there's two main things. Number one was kind of just the fun of just goofing around and having fun with the family, like before the wedding, the day before the day of the wedding, that we had like the rehearsal dinner and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's just, it was just fun. It was just a good time to be out there, be in New York City with, with family and, and just having a blast. And, and the other main thing really was the wedding itself, which, you know, and like getting ready and shooting photos with, with the photographer around, around Brooklyn. They got married at the Wythe Hotel, which is just beautiful and awesome. And it was just such a fun, fun, fun experience, you know, to have it. It's just, first of all, it's just cool to see my brother, you know, end up with somebody that's just so fantastic. It, it was just, it's just cool to see somebody that you love happy. It was just really cool to experience that and share that with my brother and my family. And you look around and everybody's just doing well, you know, like that's what it felt like to me. And my sister Betsy came up for the wedding and she brought a friend. It was so fun to see her in New York. And it's just, New York's fun anyway. And it was just, it, it's just so cool to, you know, be doing all the kind of getting ready stuff and walking around and taking pictures and clowning around and having a good time. And then at the wedding, um, the other thing that I remember was they had a Jewish wedding and they had a rabbi there and, and the rabbi, I, I, this was my first Jewish wedding to go to. And it was really cool to see kind of some other like traditions and things uh, in terms of wedding, you know, culture and stuff. But they had a rabbi and I guess that one thing that's common in, in the Jewish tradition at weddings is that any like scripture readings from the Torah will be sung rather than spoken. And the rabbi said, I guess to Hunter and Kim, like before the wedding, she said, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't sing. And they said, oh, no, 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 it's fine. Just, you know, you don't have to be good at it. You just, you know, just do your normal thing. And she's like, well, I, I'm not, you know, I really... I, so I don't really know what the conversation was, but I guess they talked her into singing, you know, the, the scripture part, because they didn't want to hire someone else to sing or whatever. And so they said, no, 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 just just do what you do and stuff. And I'll never forget, like, we're standing up there at the wedding, and, you know, it, it, was, it was a small, you know, kind of a casual ceremony. It wasn't at a, a church or a temple or anything. It was just, just at this hotel, like in one of their, you know, ballrooms or whatever. But it was beautiful, and it was really kind of... Um, compact and tight which I really liked you know like just the the vibe was was one of like a tight-knit community of people that all came together to love these these two people and sort of celebrate with them and so we're all kind of standing up there and they had the um the hopa which is a word I know from uh gosh what movie was that from uh was it meet meet the parents yeah I think that was and uh that they had the little altar thing or, or whatever you call it and um and we're standing under there and the rabbi's doing her thing. And it was, it was beautiful to see like the, the Jewish tradition. But then she started singing the um, scripture in Hebrew. And it was just so terrible. Like her voice was awful. <laughs> I mean, it was very similar to like, um, 
the uh, the the preacher, the priest, in in the Princess Bride. That's like what I think about when I look back on that. The like marriage sort of thing from Princess Bride. She wasn't that bad, but it was just funny. And I was I, I'm looking around. And I like catch eyes with my little sister Carrie, and we're like trying not to laugh at this lady that's just doing a bad job. But you know, even like a funny memory like that is a memory, and you you remember it and stuff. And you know, we're we're a fun loving family anyway, and so that was that was just hilarious. And then at the reception, um, well, first of all, before the wedding was over, they did the whole like, um, the uh, like wrap the glass in a napkin and they like stomp on the glass and everybody says, Mazeltov, you know, and it was just like so much fun. Like, gosh, other cultures just, just beat Christianity pretty much every single time. In fact, that's a good question. Is there, what? of Christianity beats some other culture's way of doing things? That's a good question. I guess you always think that somebody else is cooler than you are, but still, whatever. That's another story. So after the wedding, it kind of like transitioned the space into um, the um, reception. And the thing I remember about the reception was they started with a, a dinner and then it turned into dancing and stuff. And we did some toasts at dinner and it was just cool, man. It's just always fun when you get to go to a wedding of people that you you really, really, really love and care about, and you get to hear some other stories. I, I always love the toast parts of things because you get to hear people, you know, I didn't know Kim very well, and it was really cool to hear her, you know, family and friends stand up and, like, tell funny stories about her and embarrassing stories and, and just, you know, heartfelt, sort of sincere, you know, stuff about her and... And then we all kind of shared things and, you know, who knows why that tradition is, is there, but I love it so much. Like there's very few times in your life where that's the activity, where it's like the objective is like, let's all stand up and with all sincerity and love, even if it's funny, it's still with all sincerity, like say some things about a person that will be meaningful to them. And people take it real seriously and it's just... I just love hearing that, even though like I shot, you know, back when I shot weddings a lot, I I saw and witnessed a lot of those. And of course, like it, it's not as meaningful when you don't know the people. And I've seen a lot of like really awkward and uncomfortable, you know, wedding toasts and, and stuff. But um, but when you know the people, it's so, so special. And you can actually tell, even if you don't know the people, when they have a tight community and when maybe they're not as close as they would like to be. And it's just always awkward and uncomfortable when people aren't as close as you kind of expect them to be. And it's always so encouraging and, and just heartwarming when people are as close as you um, you hope they will be. And, and even, you know, another way to say it is when people are as close as as you want to be with your people, you know, it's heartwarming. Like you, you, see, one, you see love in one another, you know, you see like sincerity in love recognizes sincerity in love in others. So it was just cool, and I just loved that that whole thing. And then it turned into dancing, and, you know, it was just such a fun time, and Hunter and Kim's friends are so much fun, and we are just, you know, just having a blast, man. And their DJ actually, uh, this is one of the other memories that I have from that, their DJ actually looked a lot like me. He was like a, he was like a much taller, like, um, Jewish version of me, uh, like just a, a, a tall guy with the shaved head and a huge beard and, but like a skinny guy and just kind of a fun guy. I got a picture with him at the wedding just cause everybody was like, geez, this guy is like, like four inches taller version of Jacob. 
Um, and so it was, it was just so much freaking fun and, and we had an absolute blast. And then like immediately after the wedding was over or, or the reception was over, you know, we, we kind of stayed, you know, basically all the way to the end. And I think it was midnight when we left and I had to leave with my little brother Scram because at that point in time, Scram was also living in New York. At, at this point in time, my older brother Hunter, my little sister Carrie and my little brother Scram we're all living in New York City, in, in Brooklyn, in Williamsburg, like just a few blocks away from each other. And I was just like super jealous that they got to hang out all the time. And I wasn't really around for all of that. But it was always fun to be up there. But anyway, Scram was working for this company called Bike New York, which is like a, a nonprofit that um, advocates for, you know, more bike lanes and bike riding and bike safety and just cycling uh, within the city of New York. And so he worked for this company and every year they have this big event called the five borough bike tour, which is, I don't remember how many miles it is, but it's a bike tour that goes through all five boroughs of New York city. It's just a really, really cool thing. Like they shut down the streets and there's like thousands of people. I want to say there's like 30,000 people, maybe more than that on bikes. And anyway, that ride was happening the next morning after the wedding and and it was going to start like I had to be up me and Scram both had to be down there at like 5 a.m and they had hired me to shoot it and so I was super stoked and it was the first time I had shot for that and so from the wedding me and Scram are in our suits and we walk out of the White Hotel and Scram hails a cab and the cab takes us into Manhattan, down into the the deep downtown area of Man- Manhattan, not far from the uh, World Trade Center uh, Memorial, and uh, we go to our hotel down there, and like then we're you know it takes like an hour to get over there really in the cab, and so now we've got like four hours to sleep, and then we got to get up, and he's got to work all day, you know, helping run the bike tour, and I've got to shoot it all day long, and as part of shooting it, I have to go from. Manhattan to Brooklyn to Staten Island and back to Manhattan again. And it was just, it's just a lot of traveling. It's all on foot and it's kind of a big deal. And, you know, there was, I, I, I always feel pressure to do a good job. And it was my first time shooting it. And, you know, I was, you know, whatever, like pretty buzzed from the wedding and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, but the, the excitement of just like all this stuff happening at the same time and having just traveled from, uh, you know, I'd been to Vegas earlier that year and then, you know, Toronto and then Philly and then back to New York for the wedding and then the Fiberborough bike tour. It was just like felt like so much fun, cool stuff was happening. And so we crash, you know, in the hotel and, you know, it was like one of those nights where before you know it, the alarm clock's going off again and you're back up and at them and you're and you're hustling around and, you know, you don't even really sleep that much and you're kind of hungover and all this stuff and so anyway, we go in, uh, and, and we, we show up at the, the opening parts of the, the fiber bike tour. And, and what I remember about that, it was, it was just that it was just like super cold outside. Um, it's like dawn and in Manhattan and it's just, it was just cold. It's just colder than I expected. And I think it was in May and I just expected it to be warmer. So I wasn't dressed properly. And basically the cool thing about it was they, they kind of said like, look, just shoot the whole thing. They gave me like five like uh, things on the shot list to hit. And they said, as long as you hit these five things, you can kind of go and do whatever. And you have like this backstage pass basically to get anywhere on the, the tour. And so it started out downtown on, I can't remember what street it was on, but they had the whole street blocked off. 
and the bikes start showing up and the people start filing in. And I had actually had custom made for this event. I had a hat made, a bright yellow hat made with as big as I could get it, the word smile, exclamation point, embroidered across the front of it. Because I'm thinking like, I'm going to have the camera plastered on my face. And they had said so much to me the whole time. Like, what we want is smiles. What we want is smiles. We need lots and lots of smiles because people are riding this thing and they're having fun, but they're also tired and they might not be smiling. So I was like, well, if I have the camera on my face and there's this smile hat is like right above the camera and bright, you know, yellow and black, like they're going to see me and they're, you know, maybe that'll work. And it totally worked. I pulled the camera up to my face. People look over at me and they read smile and they smile, you know, even without thinking about it, they just like automatically smile. So we're gathering down there and the bikes are showing up and they actually put me on a man lift and lifted me way up above the crowd so that I could get like sort of not really aerial, but yeah, it's kind of aerial shots of the crowd, like way down the street. I don't remember what street it was, but just imagine it's like Fifth Avenue and you can just see straight clear down like a mile down the road and it's just jam-packed with people on bikes and they had like musicians and bands and stuff and it was just like the hype was extremely high you know it was it was super super cool people come from all over the world to participate in this thing and so long story short I shoot the whole bike tour it was really fun I had to walk from Manhattan across the Brooklyn Bridge and then shoot in this area in Brooklyn and then I had to take um, the, gosh, I can't remember how I got to Staten Island now, but I ended up at Staten Island and I took the ferry from Staten Island back to Manhattan. And uh, it was just a wild like whirlwind of a day. And then I check out of the hotel and get on a plane, fly home. And it was just incredible. Like that kind of stuff, you know, is, is just so much fun to me. Um, and I just love the hype. I love, I love being in situations where everybody's happy and it's fun and, and it's a celebration. And it seemed like I had gotten to do so many things that year. And it was only May, you know, like there was so much more to come. So fly home after the TD Fiber, a bike tour, just feeling like on top of the world. And so I'm back in Little Rock and there was a fun event coming up for that summer that I have to tell you about. And it was the Wild River Country Adults Only Night. And I believe that when they started it, it was only going to be a one-day event or one-night event. And it ended up becoming three nights. So they had one in June, and then they went ahead and scheduled one in July and in August. So it was like for each of the three months of the summer, there was going to be a, a, an adults-only night at Wild River Country. And if you don't know, Wild River Country is a water park here in Little Rock that's been around since I was a kid. And, you know, it's kind of like, kind of podunk, but it's kind of cool too. Like every, everybody from Little Rock has like Wild River Country memories and stories. I love water parks. So, you know, but the, the deal was it was going to be uh, just this one night in June. And, you know, I don't remember the time frame, but I want to say it was like from from like 8 to 10 or something like that. Or, or maybe it was longer than that. Maybe it was from 8 to 11. I don't know. But the deal was, it was like 20 bucks to get in, and it was bring your own cooler. And you can bring and you bring your own beer, alcohol, whatever you want. The only rule was no glass. You know, bring, bring whatever you want. And it was just like so funny that they had like left it so open. Like, I was just thinking like, this is going to be bad. You know, you can't, you can't just give people like free reign to bring an entire cooler of alcohol to something. And uh, 
especially when there's like swimming involved <laughs> and expect that everything's going to be all right. But we were like, we have to go to this. So we got this huge group of people together. There was probably a dozen of us that went to this thing. And so we show up and we've got our cooler, you know, full of stuff. And we had, I'm pretty sure the only thing that we brought in the cooler, well, we had two things. We had like Miller Lite and then we had those little, um, Bud Light Limeritas, those little like, I don't know, six or eight ounce cans or whatever it is. Because we were thinking like, well, you know, they pack a punch and they're they're small, so you can kind of drink it fast, I guess. And, and you don't have to be carrying something around the whole time. So we get there and we kind of just, you know, there's people filing in and, and everything. And so we get there and we kind of find our spot and put our stuff down and we, 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 we set our cooler down and we open it up and everybody grabs a drink and we're like, let's go, you know? And so we start running off to the first, um, you know, slide or whatever. And just like me and Andy clowning, clowning around and, uh, in, in, in Philadelphia and on these trips that we do, like it kind of felt a lot like that with this group. Everybody was just being such idiots, like in, in the most fun way, just like running around like you're 10 years old again, but like this time you're, you know, an adult and you have like a beer in your hand, <laughs> but like the same amount of just craziness. And uh, so I remember we go up to the first slide and it was like, it was one of those slides where like you sit in a big tube and then they push you down. There's like a lifeguard at the top and a little pool of water for you to get in your tube and then the lifeguard pushes you down the slide thing and and then you know you you get on with your life but my buddy Lee was the first one to go like down the slide in our group and he's he like gets his tube and we're all excited and I mean we got there right at the beginning of this event and Lee may have been the first person on the slide like that night and we get up there and, and Lee gets in the tube and he's like sitting there and he's he's getting ready to go down the thing and the lifeguard's sitting there and the lifeguard's like probably like a 16 year old kid and Lee's got a beer in his hand and you know, he kind of hadn't even thought about it that he was like about to go down with the beer in his hand. And he goes, can I go down with, he asked the lifeguard, can I go down with this beer in my hand? And the kid's like, this is the first time we've ever done this. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> and so Lee's like, all right. And so he like, you know, hauls ass and goes down the slide and everything. And so then we all do it. And like, everybody does it. Like that was just that like established, like, okay, this is how it's going to go here. And I was thinking like, this is not a good idea. Like, uh, somebody's going to like drop a can and it's going to get like twisted up and torn apart. And then it's going to be in the bottom of the pool and somebody's going to step on it. And like, then it's going to be blood in the water and stuff. And I was like, this is going to last 10 minutes tops before it gets all shut down. But Sure enough, like it kept going. And um, so, you know, we do the slide and we go back and get another drink. And like basically before the end of the night, the whole park was just like littered with beer cans. And of course, people snuck in glass bottles anyway, because when you got there and you opened up your cooler to show them what was in it, they basically just like looked at the top layer of stuff and then said, go on through so like people had all kinds of stuff in there and who knows what else you know they were bringing in and it was dark and literally the park is staffed like almost entirely by you know 16 17 18 year old kids and like what are they going to do to break up a fight or like really enforce anything you know like there was a couple of like obvious like security in there but like very very few and so we're just running around the park and like drinking and just kind of getting wild and stupid. And like, as you climb the ladder or the stairs to get up to each slide, there was like, by the end of the night, there was like 
you know, a, a, an eight inch wide like pathway up the stairs because each side of that to the left and right of that pathway was just like a collection of just like random bottles and, and cans and, you know, containers and, and stuff. And it was just like, oh my gosh, this is a mess. Like they could have had, they could have like quadrupled the amount of trash cans that they had available and it still wouldn't have been enough to, uh, to, to take care of the whole night and all the, all the trash and just cans that was being accumulated up there. But we're running around and we're having a, a blast and everything. And it was like nothing but fun that first night. It was nothing but fun. We had a freaking blast and then we, we headed home and it was great. And then, you know, because the first one was so successful, Wild River Country said like, hey, we're going to do another one in July. So here's the date for that. And so now we're like, yes, let's do it again. So we have the same group and maybe a couple extra people. And we go back the second time. And the second time... It was it was drastically different. Like word had gotten out, I guess, and it was it was sold out. We got there, you know, we got we got there in time to get in, but it it had sold out, and and it ended up being like kind of a party in the parking lot after that. But inside, we you know it was it was the same vibe, like just craziness, but like way more people and way more craziness, and like a way more like kind of sinister vibe going on, like. The first time, it seemed like it was just kind of good time having people kind of like us. And the second time around, it was like, like, there's some people here that are up to no good. Like, it just kind of, that was kind of the vibe. And, you know, nothing like really happened. Um, but I just remember looking around and being like, oh, this is wild, man. And I remember going up to the uh, wave pool because I was like, let's see what's going on over there. And for some reason, the, the guys and the girls got separated, and all the guys went to the wave pool, and the girls went to do something, or maybe they all went to the bathroom or something. But we go in the wave pool, and it was so weird. Well, we had been to the wave pool at the first one, and the first time they had, like, a band playing or something. It was just boring. Like, it was just nothing. Nothing was really happening. But the second time we went to the wave pool, that, that second event night in July they had a DJ doing like a, you know, a DJ set. And it was like, the DJ was playing like sort of hip hop and rap kind of music. And me and my like five or six buddies walk into the wave pool area. And we were like, there was probably only like two or three other white people in the wave pool area. Like it was all just African American people in the wave pool, which is great. But I was like, oh, that's weird. Why is this like so completely segregated? Uh, like why, why did all the black people come to this part of the park? Who cares? I don't know. It was just surprising to me. Uh, but it was like, it was like a club vibe in there. Like there was ladies over there in like bikinis and stuff, but like they had like six inch heels on and like makeup and hair done and jewelry. And like, it was clear that they were not there to go down any slides. They were there to look good and walk around. And, and there was a lot of guys there to like check out those girls. And it was just like a totally different vibe. And I mean, it was like, there were some people getting pretty hot and heavy, like in that area. And I was like, we were all kind of looked at each other like, whoa, this is completely different and awesome. And uh, yeah, but we don't really seem to belong here. So we're going to leave. Um, and uh, so we like went and did something else. It was just like funny. Like there was just a, a different vibe going on there. Not that it was bad. It was just different. And, uh, and you know, so anyway, we go, we, we have fun. We do the rest of the night there and, and have a great freaking time. And, 
you know, it, it was excellent. And then they came out and said, we're going to do a third Wild River Country adults only night this season uh, in August. And here's the details and everything. And when I heard that, I was like, all right, th- something is going to happen at that event. Something big is going to happen at that because the first time was cool. The second time was a little bit more wild and out of hand. And the third time, it, it's not going to be pretty. And sure enough, I was right because what happened was there was, we ended up not going because I think we were just, we couldn't do it. We were too busy or whatever, but we, we decided not to go. And then what happened was it sold out like immediately. And then like twice as many people showed up as what could actually get in, like, like as what had tickets, you know? So there was the, the same amount of people that were in the park, the same, there was that many people outside of the park trying to get in. And I mean, there was double the amount of people there. And what happened pretty quickly was like people started getting turned away. And then the news report said that like people just like broke through the like ticket office and were just like stealing tickets and stealing stuff. They jumped the fences. They tore down some tents, uh, fences. They went under them and over them and they got in with everything they had. And then the the cops showed up and, and the people that couldn't get in or didn't want to do all that just ended up like getting down in the parking lot and just having like a freaking massive party in the parking lot. And, you know, there was a lot going on there. According to the news reports, there was fights there. A lot of people got arrested. And then the cops also decided to, you know, after they had basically taken care of the parking lot situation, they decided to just camp out you know, outside of the parking lot and just, just arrest people one after the other for drunk driving, you know, coming out of there. So like, basically it was like, if you left the parking lot, you're going to jail. And like, so, so many people got arrested. And then people, some people just like stayed around in the parking lot and like try to sober up. And then the parking lot party starts to happen again. And it was like, oh my gosh, uh, I'm really glad I didn't go that time. I'm really glad I didn't bring my wife that time. But I think I would have liked to, um, you know, just kind of uh, be a fly on the wall. Um, although really, not really, because, you know, I'm not into fighting, you know, and there's a lot of fights happening there and definitely not into getting arrested. Um, so I'm glad I missed out on that one. So after that, in 2014, two more cool stories that I have to tell you about, and then we will move on to 2015. First up is 24 Hours of Horseshoe Hell in Newton County at Horseshoe Canyon Ranch um, in September of 2014. Again, my buddy Andy, the same buddy that I shoot photos with, had started this rock climbing competition in uh, Newton County at Horseshoe Canyon Ranch, and it had become one of the biggest and best rock climbing events in the country. They had pro climbers come from all over the place to compete, as well as just like you know, amateur and, and beginner climbers from all over the country. It, it it had become legendary and still is legendary for like the climbing world as just like the place to be, like the biggest and coolest event to go to because you get to climb right alongside some of the biggest pros in the world. And you also just have a freaking great time and there's like free swag and stuff and music and all kinds of fun stuff. And I wish I could go every year, but I went in 2014. I'd been a couple of times. I had competed actually in the very first one, which I think was in 2009. I'm not really sure, but um, 
I, I, I decided pretty quickly, like, I'm not here to compete. I'm here to just have a good time. But Andy asked me to come up in, in September on, in, in 2014 and, and shoot some photos uh, with his, his buddy, our buddy Lucas. And one of the main reasons I wanted to go was because they were going to have Alex Honnold there. The, you know, in my opinion, even at that time, one of the biggest rock climbers in the world, one of the best and most inspiring, like, certainly like newish climbers. And I mean, I was just super stoked to like get to do that. And if you don't know who Alex Honnold is, just pause this podcast and look him up for a second or watch the movie Free Solo. I think it's on Netflix. He did Free Solo after this event, but um, he was already well known at the time for for being an amazing free soloist uh, rock climber. And so I really wanted to go and shoot him. And there's not a whole lot to share about this story, but it is just cool. Like this is the other athlete that I shot that people ask me about all the time. But as part of the, you know, event, you know, Alex is whoever he was sponsored by, you know, had asked him to come to come to this event. And so he was excited to do that and everything. And I asked Andy, like, hey, is there any way I can get like some time with Alex to get some portraits of him? And he was like, Yeah, absolutely, man. And so he set it up and we get there and he introduced me to Alex and like ended up spending about an hour with him. And we went up to the rocks and, you know, uh, I got some portraits with him like in front of the rocks, you know, watched him climb a little bit. Like he was just kind of warming up and having fun. And it was just so cool to meet this guy. Like I've always said that like rock climbing and mountaineering is like my football. Like that's the thing that I get excited about and care about. Um, both as a participant and as a spectator, you know, and just a fan of, of what people are doing. And, you know, it's, everybody knew Alex was already huge at the time and everybody knew that he was going to become huge, um, or like die early because he does the most outrageous, um, you know, an extremely dangerous free solo climbs, you know, I mean, he's the, he's the best in the world at that for sure which maybe makes him the best climber in the world. But um, he, he already had that notoriety, and it's only, like, doubled since then because he's done El Cap free solo. And anyway, it was just so cool to get to meet him and, and talk to him and, and shoot him, and he was just, like, so generous and, like, gracious and easy to be around and, you know, maybe a little awkward and weird, but, like, anyone that's performing at that level um, basically is going to be weird in some ways, like, at least to us, you know, like you don't get there without being a little bit of an oddball, but it was so cool to, to get to shoot photos of Alex. And, uh, you know, while I was shooting, I was thinking like sooner or later, this guy's going to hit the deck and, uh, and, and die doing what he's doing. Um, you know, one of the, one of the sayings that you hear a lot is there are old climbers and there are bold climbers, but there are no old bold climbers. And it's like, geez, Alex, you know, be careful, man. Like, like stay alive for a long time because we love you. And, and, you know, we want your legacy to continue on without a sad ending, you know? Um, and, and thankfully, like he's still, he's still doing great and kicking ass and everything. But I had that thought when I was shooting him, like this, this is a guy that is really pushing the boundaries and, um, yeah, you know, I hope, I hope he stays safe, which like he doesn't, he definitely doesn't stay safe. So, uh, anyway, that was awesome. And the final thing I want to tell you about 2014 is another wedding I went to. I don't even remember what month of the year it was, but it was my friends Robbie and Candace got married in 2014. And oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Like I love Robbie and Candace so much. And they're, they're like one of those couples that like, I'm equally fantastic friends with both of them, you know? 
and and you know we just kind of get each other really well and 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 we we really make each other laugh and have a good time and at at that point in time like I was hanging out with Robbie and Candace a lot and and just having a good time and they've since moved to Texas but um but but we're still close and and uh, but their wedding was just incredible it was so amazing and there was this one funny story that I have to share um, maybe to just embarrass Robbie <laughs> because it's awesome. But we're at the wedding and they had a beautiful wedding. It was fantastic and awesome. And, and, and the reception was amazing. We're dancing at the reception and, you know, we're having a good time. We're partying, we're dancing. And I had a flask in my, in my coat pocket, you know, and I had been kind of sipping on the flask of whiskey. It was just like some Jameson and uh throughout the, the the evening and everything and we're dancing and Robbie had kind of danced over close to me Robbie and Candace both and and I pull out the flask and I take a swig of it and I hand it over to Robbie to get a swig and Robbie takes the flask from me and he goes oh my gosh dude thank you so much like I've always wanted one of these and I was like yeah man <laughs> congratulations on your wedding um sweet <laughs> can I have another sip of that? And he's like, yeah, dude, have as much as you want. And I'm like, <laughs> you idiot. Like, I was just trying to share this with you. And uh, he took it. So of course, like, yeah, that's great. I got to let him keep the thing. And I didn't tell him that story for a long time uh, until like, I think just this year, maybe last year. Um, and when I told him that story, he he laughed so hard and he ended up bringing me like a brand new flask that also was full of Jameson, you know, to, to pay me back for that, uh, that little move. But anyway, it was an amazing, beautiful wedding, and I love I love them so much, and it was just so much. It, it was just it was the perfect like cap to a really fun year, um, you know, of of just having a good time, traveling, being with people that I love, and you know, the more I get to know myself, the more I learn that like that's the kind of stuff that brings me life and energy and joy, and just just experiences and fun, 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 and people and love and and celebrating and connections and memories and all that stuff. And so 2014 was just a year of that, you know, it's just a full year of that fun stuff happening. And, you know, before I knew it, the year was over and we were moving into 2015. And that's what we're going to talk about next time. In 2015, I also had some amazing experiences. And I'm going to tell you about just a couple of them real quick to give you a little teaser. One of them was being so painfully broke in Chicago that I couldn't pay for anything the whole time I was there. I was like starving and I ended up drinking beer in the alleyway behind the Chicago theater with this homeless guy just telling each other life stories. And it was incredible. Another thing that happened that year was I saw a legendary concert at Whitewater Tavern here in Little Rock that's going to go down in history as one of the greatest things that ever happened there, I think. And the third thing that happened in 2015 was we packed up all our shit and moved to North Little Rock. Oh, man. Like, that's a big monument for me in my life. Come back next week. And I'll tell you all about it then. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you. I love you. Have a fantastic week.